Okay, good morning. Today's daf is daf Lamed. I'm going to go from the first word on daf Lamed, the daf 30. Today's shoe is Le'ilunishmas, um, Le'ilunishmas Ben Sion Ben Ze'ev Avram Halevi. May his memory be a blessing. Um, yeah, so yesterday, remember, we, we brought a three-way, ma, three-way machlokes, exactly how to deal with chomets. The main principles that were at play was min b'min. Well, first we discussed chomets on Pesach and chomets after Pesach. Remember, that was built on a sugya that we had earlier in yesterday's daf of what's the halacha of chomets after Pesach. According to Rabbi Yehuda, chomets after Pesach is osur, da'araisa, forever. Guess to a degree the same as chomets on Pesach. What do I mean? What do I mean by chomets after Pesach? I mean chomets that existed on Pesach. Obviously, fish freshly baked bread on Motzei Pesach is not a problem. The problem is bread that was baked on Pesach, or crackers that were made before Pesach, or or whiskey that's been around for uh, twelve years, twelve Pesachs, if it's a if it's a more fancy one or something like that. So those would be a problem contributed. Would be also Doraisa. We said the main difference between on Pesach and after Pesach is if you eat chomets on Pesach. Is it isur kores? Whereas if you eat chometz after Pesach, it's just a love and negative, a regular negative commandment. But again, that's rebuta. Rabbi Shimon, on the other hand, held no chometz is only osur on Pesach. After Pesach, it is complete dorais. It's a hundred percent mutar. However, there's a gzeira drabonon, a knas drabonon that chometz after Pesach that existed on Pesach is osur. Because the owner transgressed, the owner transgressed having chomets on Pesach. So again, so wherever you would transgress having chomets on Pesach, owning chomets on Pesach, you would not be allowed to, there would be Isud Rabbonim to eat that chomets, to get benefit actually, to get benefit from that chomets after Pesach. That was the first Machlokas yesterday, again relevant to um, today's discussion, again to what our first point is, a mixture of chomets. What happens if Chomets gets mixed in with matzah. And we said to keep it simple and straightforward, we're discussing liquid mixtures. So I guess if some bread got mixed, dissolved into soup, or can you have that soup on Pesach? We know there are certain rules that we heard we're familiar with when with your kitchen, meat and milk, kosher and non-kosher, bottle, it's a bottle in a majority, um, or it's a bottle in 60, etc., but to, again, to keep it straightforward, we're discussing liquid, not dry. Um, yeah, so then the two main points that we mentioned was there's min bemino, that if it's the lark type, if it tastes the same, so chomets, a liquid chomets batter got mixed in with a liquid matzah batter, then they would taste the same, that's min bemino. Um, or what happens if a chomets batter got mixed in with a pasidic soup? Again, we can, we'll discuss this a little bit more detail, not in the Gemara, but I'll bring a few points on it. What about, it would be the same with other things. And what happens if non-kosher meat falls into your soup? Into your kosher meat soup? So, or, yeah, well, let's say non-kosher meat into vegetable soup. That would be min b'she'en mino, one type in a different type. They have a different flavor. However, if it's kosher, if it's meat, non-kosher meat soup into kosher meat soup, well, it has the same flavor. So it would be osu. Um, that would be min b'mino, min b'she'loi b'mino. And then the other aspect was min, the other aspect was 
The important point is tam, tam, noisen tam. If it gives flavor. If something cannot, if this would definitely apply by other things, but let's say you could taste, even if, um, if let's say some uh, chomet bread fell in your, your chicken, your kosher for Pesach soup, if you could taste the bread, what would the halacha be? So that's noisain time. And then, yeah, so that was, so Rav and Shmuel Paskin, this is in different machlokas, but Rav and Shmuel Paskin, that min bemino is, is not bottle. Again, there's nothing cancelling out. The one explanation is there's nothing cancelling out the isu flavor. So when you have kosher for Pesach, Soup getting mixed, a tiny drop of chomets getting mixed in with a huge amount of kosher for Pesach. There's nothing cancelling out that chomets if it's the same flavor. And therefore, that's all also, that's min bemino in the same type. That was the one point, Rav and Shmuel. Um, Rav extends that and says, however, if it's not the same flavor, not the same flavors, as min bemino, then obviously you go after taste. Is it noise and time? However, Rav said, there's a Xera on Pesach. That Chomet is not bottled because if we say it's bottled in Min Eno you might come to say it's bottled in Min Eno And Rashi gave two spores why you'd want to go strict there. Because one is, it's the Isukores. So we're very scared that if you uh, if you say if yesterday when you asked your rabbi um, you you cooking you you some chometz fell into your soup and you asked your rabbi and he said well theoretically would you be able to taste it or as we commonly give a standard amount of one in sixty was it one part to sixty parts hezach and he says bottle the next day when your chometz batter get mixed into your non chomets batter, you might come to say, oh, well, yesterday it was bottle bashish and bottle in 60. Today it's also where it's actually not. It's not bottle at all because it's min bimino. That was Rav. Um, Rabbi Yochanan and Reish Lokish held that no. You always go after noise and time. Okay? You always go after, does it give a flavor? Even, and, oh, but min bimino, there's no such thing as flavor. If I get kosher batter, a, matz, a chomets batter in matzah batter, how do I say it's nice, it gives flavor or not? She says you estimate, you work out, would it theoretically such a little bit of chomets give, give off flavor? So that was the various opinions. And then again, as I said, after Pesach would depend on how you pass it. So Omar Rav, the top of Daf Lamed, Omar Rav, Rav says, Hilchasa Chomets bismano bain bemino bain sheloi bemino osur. Chomets in its, on Pesach, whether it gets mixed into its same flavor or whether it gets mixed into a different flavor, any, it's osur. Even a tiny drop of Chomets gets mixed in with your kosher for Pesach food, it makes that food osur. Sheloi bismano, but after Pesach bain bemino, whether it's its own type or whether it's a different type, it's mutar, like Rabbi Shimon said. As you know, Rabbi Shimon says, Chomets after Pesach is mutar. It says, Oh, 
But Rava didn't. You're telling me that Rava says Rabbi Shimon holds Chometz Mutar after Pesach. Rava says there's a Knas. If someone owned Chometz on Pesach, they're not allowed to get benefit from on Pesach. So how can Rava on the one hand come along and say that if after Pesach, some of your Chometz that existed on Pesach got mixed in with other foods, the other food is Mutar, when Rava says according to Rabbi Shimon, there's a Xerid Rabbonin or a, a penalty, a Knas, that you're not allowed to get benefit from that food. So if the chametz gets mixed in with the food, other food after chametz, it should be also even according to Rava, even even according to Rabbi Shimon. So he says, "No, honey, mili ba'enay." That's where it's it's as where it stands alone. Aval al yaday taroves law, but if it's a mixture, then it is not bottle. How much? So a mixture does that mean if I have let's say a huge amount of Chometz that existed on Pesach that got mixed in with a tiny little bit or a little bit or an equal amount of regular food. I can eat it because it's a mixture now. So the run says it would be bottle barov. You wouldn't need 60 times. You wouldn't need uh, any 100 times, etc. You would just need a majority. So as long as it's 51% kosher food, good food, and to 49% of that chometz that existed from Pesach, then it would be fine. But as the Rav at the time, and Rav is actually going according to his opinion, as we see elsewhere, Rav Ki Bay Rav Nachman, when Rav, the Rav said that when they were staying by Rav Nachman, Ki Havunafki when the seven days of Pesach were over, Omar Lon, Rav Nachman would say to us, straight away, Poku V'zinil Chamira Devnei Chayelo, Go bar Chomets from the soldiers. I, the soldiers who they, that were encamped around would obviously have ready-made food and stuff or chom and bread that they had baked and they were there in existence from Pesach. And we said, go buy them. We see that this chomets that was after this um, chomets that existed on Pesach, he permitted after Pesach. Now, just a few interesting points. One is it not pas akum? You're not allowed to buy bread from a non-Jewish person. So one answer is, actually this was, the Jews were buying dough to make the bread. Um, they weren't buying the actual bread, they were buying the dough and baking it themselves. So then it gets the status of Pas Yisrael. Another possible answer could be that maybe this is, they had baker's bread. Remember Pas Palta, this this that you're not allowed to have bread of a non-Jew is specifically bread that um, specifically bread by a homeowner. But if it's made by a bakery, a non-Jewish bakery, then it would be permitted. It's not a problem of pas akum anymore. Okay, so there are and there are various other answers to that question. Um, Now, there's a very interesting Mahlok as Rishonim. How does this apply to, is this Rav, when Rav says this is the, what the Halacha is, is that by all areas in the Torah? Or only by Chomets on Pesach? I, this that Rav comes at first, two points that Rav said. One is, he, well, two aspects of it. He says, Min bemino Osur, in any amount, if you get a tiny drop of Chomets in your Pesach food, whether it's the same flavor or whether it's a different flavor, it's always osur. So Rashi says that's the halacha across the whole of the Torah. That, that always applies. 
And that's, uh, um, if you look at the first line of Tosos, he says, Pasku Rashi Bechulin, Demin Bemino Bamashu, Kareb Yehuda. Rashi Paskins with that, Min Bemin Bamashu, if it's the same flavor, it's Osur, according to Reb Yehuda. Okay, let's not go into Reb Yehuda, but Reb Yehuda is the opinion who says that if you have two things of the same flavor, the Osur, even a tiny drop of Isur, makes all the Heter Mutar. And then Rashi brings a whole lot of proofs to his opinion. However, Tosfos argue. And he says, firstly, Rava says here, Chometz Bismano, Chometz on Pesach. He should have said, Isur Isur. Why does he say Chometz? Um, so therefore, it must be um, that with all other Isurim, you go after noise and time. And that's actually how we Paskin. If you get a drop of meat, in your milk or milk in your meat. I mean, it's hard to fly, find where it would have the same flavor. But let's assume that you had, uh, I don't know, chicken, um, two soups that tasted the same, um, but one was meat and one was milk. Then we don't say, we don't pass in that you need even a tiny drop of the one makes the whole, or if a tiny drop of non-kosher meat, of let's say non-kosher chicken soup, falls into a huge pot of kosher Meat soup, we don't say it's also we paskin like Tosfos that you go after would it give flavor. However, by Pesach we go stricter. Trying to remember why we go stricter. Oh, yeah, why would we go stricter? So one answer is Chomet is actually a Dovr Shiyeshlomatirin. What does it mean a Dovr Shiyeshlomatirin? So Dovr Shiyeshlomatirin is something that will become permitted automatically. Some learn that Chomet is a Dovr Shiyeshlomatirin because on Pesach it's Osir and according to Rabbi Shimon, straight after Pesach it's Mutar. Very hard to say it's a Dovr Shiyeshlomatirin because it's still the Isud Rabbon and you still not already have that Chomet that was in existence on Pesach. But again, some learn it's a Dovr Shiyesh material, so therefore we go stricter on Pesach. That even a tiny drop of Chomet is not bottled on Pesach because, um, because it's a Dovr Shiyesh material. Other give... Another possibility is Chomets is just stricter. We want to be extra careful, as we've given many reasons why we're stricter with Chomets. One is Lo Bedili Inish People do not automatically separate. They're so eat, used to eating Chomets and using their Chomets things that they don't think to be careful. Um, and Chomets is a Isukores, unlike all other things that you could eat are not a Isukores. So therefore, we would be stricter by Chomets. Um, so, so, yeah, so let me just clarify. So, again, that's one of the reasons why we're so, let's call it fanatical with cleaning for Pesach. Is because if one, theoretically, if one crumb of chomet falls into your Pesach food, no matter how big a pot of soup it is, the whole pot of soup is also. Because min, because that's how we pass it. Omarav hilchos a chomet bismano ben shalai bimino asur. Chomet's on Pesach, whether it's a tiny drop in a larger uh, whether it's a tiny drop in its own flavor or a different flavor, it is osur. Um, and we we also pass though, like Tosfos, that by other surim you don't have to go as strict. That's why if a tiny drop of milk falls into your meat soup, you don't have to throw out the whole soup. You can say it's bottle 
It's bottle beshishim. You go after does it give flavor? Okay, a few other points, but let's go on. On my Rav, Rav says, carrying on with that. So that was the discussion regarding chometz being bottle on Pesach. We now move on to another important point of kashring pots for Pesach. So on my Rav, Rav says, kederos be Pesach yeshavru. When it comes to Pesach, you're going to have to bake, break all your earthenware kalim that you cook chometz in. You cook chometz in these earthenware pots. You have to break them. The reason being is that, well, firstly, remember, earthenware absorbs and it doesn't expel. We're always concerned with what's absorbed in the pot walls. That's why you can't use, even if you clean your pot, it has no meat in. But yesterday you cooked meat in it. You can't use it for milk because you're concerned about the flavor that's absorbed in the walls. Cheres, you can't get it out. You can't kasher, you can't get it out. And um, as we'll see over the page, the reason the Torah tells us that it never comes out. Therefore, we're always concerned about the flavor on Pesach. And even after Pesach, Rav Paskins like Rabbi Yehuda. Remember, Rabbi Yehuda holds that chomets that existed on Pesach is forbidden forever after Pesach. So earthenware kalim, the chomets is stuck in the walls. There's nothing you can ever do with that pot again once Pesach comes, so you have to break it. Again, another huge, if you think about it, another huge complication. We mentioned yesterday that, I mean, uh, drinks and crackers and anything that was baked on Pesach or before Pesach, and we said it would basically be impossible for Jews to have whiskey if you pass it like Rabbi Yehuda. Not only that, a whole lot of kalim you'd have to throw away as Pesach comes, anything that you can't kasha. Because the chomets flavor that's absorbed in it doesn't come out. And you can't use it on Pesach, and you can't use it after Pesach. So it's Vamai. So the Gemara asks, Why don't you leave it till after Pesach and mix it in a different min? I, as we know, chametz that gets mixed in with other thing and um, with other flavors. Is bottle in those flavors if it doesn't give taste? So why don't you do that? So the Gemara answers, because you might come to do it with its own type. If on erev Pesach you cooked, I don't know, chometz tuna lasagna in this uh, in this uh, dish, and after Pesach you cook a chometz tuna lasagna, then it would be osur because it's the same flavor. According to Rav, it's always osur. So that's Rav's opinion. Again, that any kalim that you had from on Pesach, any kalim that you baked chometz in, any cheres that you can't kasha, you're going to have to break. Again, obviously you can't use it on Pesach because of the flavor it gives into your, the chometz flavor that it gives into your Pesach food. But even after Pesach, because he holds like Rabbi Yehuda. Just one interesting thing that we have, a, the Gomorrah suggested here, but why do you have to break it? After Pesach, just cook something else in it. Ah, you used it for dough. You used it to, I don't know, cook a doughy stew, a flour-flavored stew, veg, let's say vegetable soup that was chomet. After Pesach, you used it to cook uh, chicken soup, different flavor. And then it would be bottle, then it would be bottle. But we have a principle, you're not allowed to mevatel isur on purpose. You're not allowed to say, oh, I know that milk is bottle in meat, one in 60. So let me add a few drops of butter to my soup and it will be 1 in 60. You're not allowed to do that on purpose. So Tos was here. There are, many, there are a few answers. But Tos was here. Answer that no. Since the, the Tos up here is either cooking something different in it. 
I cooking, you cooked uh, chicken soup on Ere Pesach, so now cook chicken soup after Pesach, or breaking it, that's considered bidiyeved. That's already, that's, I mean, we see the huge sensitivity to the Torah when the toss, when by the fact that you'd, if not for this solution, you'd have to break the pot, that's considered already bidiyeved, and therefore you would be allowed to actually mevatel it lachatchila. However, there's an additional layer of gezeira that if you know you're allowed to cook in this pot, you'll forget what you're allowed to cook in this pot, and you're only allowed to things that do not have the same flavor as the chomets. So that would be a problem, and therefore you'd have to break it. Again, we're speaking about cheres, which you can't kasher. We'll come to kashering over the amud. Ushmul um, Amushmul says lo yeshavru. You don't have to break it. Leave it for after Pesach. And then you can cook in it, whether it's own type or a different type. Of the shmul, the time of shmul's going according to his reason. Now, just before we see where we see that Shmuel Paschal is like this, but everyone would buy, in this certain city where Shmuel was, everyone would buy new pots after Pesach, like Rav, so the salesmen started taking advantage of that. They said, oh, we know everyone's going to come to the shop and buy pots. We'll raise the prices. So what did the Omer Shmuel, Shmuel, you said to these pot sellers, Ashmuel Zvini Akandaychi, Set your pots at a fair price. The e law, if not, I will paskin like Rabbi Shimon and tell everyone that Allah is like Rabbi Shimon, that it's all mutar after Pesach. They don't have to get new pots. I, at the moment, everyone's going like Rav, that they're buying new pots after Pesach. If you don't sell them the pots at the fair price, I'm going to paskin like Rabbi. I'm going to tell everyone that Allah is like Rabbi Shimon and allow them to. Tomorrow's, oh, the Lidrish Shmuel Karebi Shimon Tzvirullah. Well, why did Rebbe, why did he even allow them to buy new pots? He should have told them that the halach is like Rebbe Shimon. That's how Shmuel Paskins, again, that Rebbe Shimon holds Chomets his mutar after, after Pesach. Since Asrei de Rav Havei. It was Rav's town. It was a town that was in the jurisdiction of Rav. And we know Rav Paskins like Rebbe Yehuda, that Chomets, things that exist, Chomets that existed on Pesach, after Pesach is also. So Shmuel says, out of respect for Rav, I can't go lenient. But pot sellers, if you don't, uh, sell at fair value, I am going to uh, issue the Pesach in Lahan with me, and no one will be buying new pots. Okay, new point. Similar idea that if a certain something happens to your oven, you might have to break it, or it can change its status forever. Again, it's based on this principle that Cheres, earthenware, once it absorbs something, we say it never ever gets expelled. It's, it's considered in its walls forever. It says, there was an oven that was smeared with fat. So instead of using oil, they used uh, animal fat. So now it is a meat oven. For said they not never allowed to eat bed bread baked in that oven, even if it's just with salt. I even play never mind to eat the bread with something else. You're not allowed to. Because you might come to eat it with kutach with a milk condiment that they used to have. So if you bake bread in this oven which had which was greased with meat with animal fat, which is meat, the bread becomes meat, and therefore you would not be allowed to eat that bread with milk. And bread that is, um, as we'll see shortly, but bread that is meat is also. You're not allowed to break bread that is meat because people are so used to going to the, um, going to the, whatever, the bread bin, taking a roll and eating it with meat or eating it with milk, depending on what they want. They don't think to check, wait, was it bread baked with meat or bread baked with milk? So you have to always make your bread, um, 
you always have to make your bread parav. As that's a halacha in your day, not really our discussion here. But therefore, this oven that was smeared with meat, you're never allowed to have bread baked in it. So it's massive, they challenge this. You're not allowed to knead the dough with milk. And if you did knead your dough with milk, all the bread you baked is also because you like to come to an Avera. You're likely to come to eat it with meat. However, you not and similarly, you're not allowed to smear the oven with meat. But if you did, then all the meat of then all the bread baked in that oven is osur. Again, for the same reason, it's meat bread. You're not allowed to bake meat bread or milk bread. Um, there are exceptions, like if you bake a small amount that you'll eat in one meal and things like that. But strictly speaking, it's a problem. Um, uh, the over the general rule, without going into when it's allowed, that's for when we do chulin. But you're not allowed to bake beet or milk bread. But what, uh, here it says an exception: until you fire up the oven, I light a strong fire in the oven to burn it out. So we see that if you do burn out the oven, it's allowed. I rather very said that bread that you bake in that oven that you smeared with fat once is also forever. But you can just fire the oven up again. It says, It's a rejection of Rava Bar Ahilai. You can fire up the oven and then it becomes mutar. It's kashad. If you have a cheres oven, that's what we're discussing there, cheres oven, and, it's, and you wiped it with meat and then you fire it up, it becomes parav again. Oh, once we've rejected. Rabbi Barilai, why did Rav say you have to bake your pots before Pesach? Again, we just saw that Rav said you have to bake your pots before Pesach, but why? Just fire them up, put them back in the kiln, and or light, uh, put them on the fire, and the fire will burn out all the chomets. He says, no, the one answer is that there the oven was, was metal. And here we're speaking about earthenware. Metal, we know, we say you can get the, you can get the flavor out of metal. That's why if you accidentally use your meat spoon on your, for your milk or the other way around, you cash it, you dagola, you, um, you boil it out. So we know you can cash a metal, but we, you can't cash a cheres. So that's the difference. These pots that we're discussing were cheres, whereas the oven was a metal oven. Alternatively, you can say, So you can say, no, actually we're discussing both cheres, both earthenware. The difference with the oven is where do you smear the fat? That makes it meat on the inside. Where do you light the fire of the ovens? On the inside. So the fires on the inside, it will burn the chum, the fat very well. Whereas a pot, if you were to put the pot on the fire, you'd put it with the outside of the... You'd put the fire on the outside, whereas the chum, it's on the inside. So it doesn't burn it out as well. Oh, why don't you say, do hasok on the inside? No, if you have to... Put a fire, make a fire, put the burning coals in your pot, on the inside of your pot. You're going to be scared you're going to break your, 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 uh, your pot. It will cause the pot to crack. And therefore you won't do proper cashering. And therefore it's asu. And therefore, if that's the case, this sort of frying pan that they had, if you do hesek on the outside, it's asu. But the e malia 
But if you fill it with coals on the inside, then you've done a good kashering. Okay, again, it could be a, I think it was a fire pan that they used with, um, accidentally oiled it with grease and out meat and they wanted to fry milk, a uh, pair of bread in it. Or it could be um, that they used it for chomets and now you want to use it for Pesach or according to Rabs, you want to use it after Pesach. So then you'd have to put the coals on the inside. If from here, we have a few very important principles regarding um kashering. Um, we should go a bit further, but let's just say some of them. One is cheres. As again, we'll see it again. Cheres. We have a general principle: you cannot kasher it. However, if you put it in the fire, you put it in the kiln, then it does become. Then it is kashered. Again, we say the standard reason given. There might be a machlokes rishonim, but the standard reason given is that. Um, when you burn, when you put earthenware in like a pot of boiling water, that doesn't work because that's to get the, the, what's absorbed in the pot of Baloa out. But when you burn it in the kiln, you actually, you're not getting the Isser out, you're just burning the Isser. And that's why it works. Another important point we see here that if it's something that you're concerned will break when you kasher it, you're not allowed to kasher it. Because we're concerned you won't kasher it properly. That's someone who suggests a difficulty with kashering plastic. Plastic, why can't you kasher plastic? Because if uh, you, at least back in the day, their plastics weren't as good quality, people would be scared. If they put their plastic bowl in a pot of boiling water, it's going to get ruined. It will um, bend. Uh, I, don't remember, I can't think of a better word of saying it, but it, it, will, it will lose its shape. And it will become ruined. So you're not going to put it in as hot water as you should. Let's see further with some of these laws of his, of uh, of uh, what we call kashering. It says, Omalei. Yeah, important to note. I mean, we're discussing Chomets on Pesach. But a lot of this would be relevant for um, all year round. When you get mixed up with meat and milk. Or accidentally cook non-kosher in your kitchen. Or how do you kasher your oven between meat and milk. Or... You know, or you accidentally cook something in your milk, you meat in your milk pot. All these things, a lot of them are learned out. Most of the halachas in Shulchan Aruch, where it discusses kashring kalim, are actually discussed by Pesach. What then gets a bit confusing, and we'll mention some of them, is uh, is when are we speaking about we're stricter for Pesach, as we know we strict by Pesach in many laws, and when is it the halacha for both chametz? And other surim like meat and milk or non-kosher meat or something. When when is it unique and strict about Pesach? And when would we go? That's where it gets a bit tricky and you have to keep in mind. An example, I mean, it's more relevant to say later, but like I mentioned, Pesach, uh, plastic. Many hold that plastic all year round you can kasha. We can go lenient like that. But for Pesach, you should go strict and not kasha plastic. So let's say you have plastic bowls you want to use for on Pesach. Um, let's say you have plastic bowls that you accidentally put non-kosher food, hot non-kosher food in them, or you used your plastic bowls for meat and they were supposed to be used and they've been used for milk up until you had milk plastic bowls that you used for meat. So many holds you can kasher it, put it in boiling water, and then it's kashered. But on Pesach, you should go strict. So that would be one difference. We do sometimes find that by Pesach, we're stricter, even though many of these laws over, do overlap. So Amalai Ravina, Ravashi, Ravina said to Ravashi, Hai Sakina Bepischa, Hei Ravina asked Ravashi, he says, what do you do with a knife on Pesach? 
Uh, what do you do with the Chomet's knives? Knives, especially their knives, were known as very difficult to kasher and get properly clean. And he says, I get new knives. I throw out my old knives and I buy new knives for Pesach. Or at least I keep separate knives for Pesach. So there's a very important discussion that comes up for a pois, for a Pesach. It says, Oh, all very well for you, Rabashi, you can afford it. It says, the law of Shalemai, what about those who can't afford it? So Amalei, Anakain Khatoso Kamin. He says, No, Khatso Shalom, I wasn't saying that everyone has to go and buy new knives for Pesach. I was saying that you have to make your life like new. And you have to kasher it. How do you do that? Kasayu Batina. First, I would cover the handle in clay so that it wouldn't get damaged in the next procedure. Or Parazalaihu Benura, and I would burn the blade in the fire. Remember, as we said, when you put something in the kiln or directly in the fire, it's the, the issue, you're not, uh, as I said, you're not drawing the isur out. What you're doing is you're burning the isur inside, you're making it like new. That's what Rav Ashi is saying, because I burn the blade in the fire. I like what, when you hear about blowtorching things in your kitchen, that's what he do. He says, I blowtorch the knives. The blade. Um, and then I would um, put the handles in boiling water. Now, the run explains. Knives were used in two ways. We know that there's a general rule regarding cashering. As I said, cashering is this concept of changing something from if it was used for non-kosher, back to kosher, or if it was a meat pot used for milk, etc., or chomets using it for Pesach, that's what we refer to when use kashering. The general rule is kabbalah kach polto. As it absorbs, that's how you get it out. So knives were often used to put things on the fire or take things on the fire or cut. Like, you know, you want to check your piece of steak while it's on the, your chicken or steak while it's on the bra, so you're cutting with a knife over the flame. So to kasher it, you have to do it over the flame. The handle would never become wet or used with hot unless maybe you were mixing soup with your knife, then the handle might become um, also with boiling water. So that's why Rav comes along and he says, um, 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 so, so, so that's why Ravashi says, I would kasha the blade in the fire and the handle in boiling water. He says, He says, no, both you can actually do in hot water and in a kli rishon. You don't have to put it in the fire. You can just take your knives. How do you cash your knives for Pesach? You take your knives and you boil them in hot water. You put them in boiling water. Like we kasha all other things for Pesach. You know, like Henry does. You go there with your, with your pots or your cutlery that you want kasha for Pesach in a huge uh, vats of boiling water. And you put them in. That's what he's talking about. That's how you kasha your knives. And that's the halacha. Oh, now we've got one question. Oh, wait. Didn't I tell you the primary uh, important Principle of kashring. It's probably the basic halacha is kabbalah polta, the way that the isu goes in, the sort of heat that it goes in with, and was it directly over the flame or not, or was it used through boiling, is the way you kasher it. So this knife, if you did cut meat on a bra with a knife, 
you would have to kasher it in fire. So how can the halacha be a blanket statement that if you want to kasher your nails for Pesach, just boil them? So, so one answer, very interesting answer, is that no. But Pesach, you can go a bit more lenient because it's hetera bola. All that ever absorbed was permitted. When you use this knife for chomets on the day before Pesach, the week before Pesach, was that osur or not? It was mutar. So therefore you can go more lenient because what was absorbed in this knife is heter and only on Pesach did it change to isur. So therefore to get it out or to weaken it, you can just do hagali, you can put it in boiling water. But you're right, if it did absorb non-kosher meat or something like that or absorb meat and milk, then you would have to put it over a flame. That's one answer. The run by, the, the yeah, the run brings the run brings this whole discussion. Um, the run is a prim, one of our primary sources of discussing the halacha from the sugya. He's he's around the riff. He's like a commentary on the riff, but is a more vast one of the uh, classical uh, uh, fundamental um, halachic commentaries on most Gemaras, especially the more relevant halacha, um, is the run. Can find it in the back of most regular Gemaras. So he has this whole discussion, the different opinions. But he says actually, chometz is always chometz. Chometz is always considered chometz, whether it's now, today. Is your bread today? Is your chometz chometz or not? It's chometz. You're just not. You're just allowed to eat it today, but it's still chometz. So, so how can you say that the chometz is mutar is heterobolis absorbed isu? No, it absorbed chometz, which you write in uh, four months' time will be osur on Pesach, but it absorbed chometz. He says you can't say it's heterobolis. He brings in another important point: what's called rov tashmisha. You go after what it's mostly used for. A knife is hardly ever used directly over the fire. When last did you cut meat over an open flame with a knife? Hardly ever. You go after what it's mostly used for. And that is again the halacha. I'm not sure if this we say. I think um, definitely there are more says by Pesach we don't rely on that. If you have something that was once, if you, strictly speaking, most things, if you only ever used it for cold, as we'll see later on the dust, you only ever need to rinse it. So you only use it for cold chomets, a salad bowl, you can rinse it and use it on Pesach. You only ever used for cold. But what happens if you once ever used it for hot? So like we've just seen, Rav Tashmisha, you go after what it's mostly used for. And that's how you would kasher it. But the Ramor goes and says, no, we strict, and if it was used once for, let's say, boiling, or once over the flame, then it would be a problem. Um, let me just think. Yeah, then it would be a problem. So, we're not so quick to rely on Rav Tashmisha. I'm not sure about the rest of the year. I know on Pesach we definitely don't rely on Rav Tashmisha. If you know you've used a teaspoon. Teaspoons are generally used in a cliché or, you know, or, or you have cereal spoons that have only ever been used with cold. But you used it once to stir soup. You would have to kasher it. You'd have to do hagola to put it in boiling water properly. That's how we paskin for Pesach. I'm not sure how we paskin for the rest of the year. Okay, let's carry on. Omar Avuna, Braid Rav Yeshua. As I said, as you can see, there's so much to discuss, so many practical halachas 
this this stuff is a, a game for what I mean is for what we struggle with on a daily basis and especially with area of pace like kashrin etc what you can kasha how you can kasha etc um, this is one of the most central dafim in shas for that discussion um, another just one more point I left out is nowadays when the knife's made from one piece of metal then you can definitely kasha it by putting it in boiling water as Agamora says if the handle is different to the knife then there are certain complications. So if you run into that trouble, check uh, check with your rav before you kasha. But I think I think in most cases we could rely on this as well. But if the handle is a different material, then you do run into certain other complications. And um, carrying on, Omar Avuna Breder of Yeshua eats poru magilo baroitchin. A wooden ladle you can do hagol in boiling water over klirishon. Again, a klirishon kosov or kabbalah kachpolta as he holds as it absorbs. That's how you get it out. Um, what's a clearishon? So clearishon is the part. Again, this comes up with Shabbos when you're making uh, tea or coffee. I'm sure you've heard the terms clearishon, klishani, and klishlishi. Clearishon is the part that's on the fire that's boiled. Now, strictly speaking, if it's off the fire, the water boiled on the stove, and you took it off the stove, and it's still hot. It's still considered a clearishon. There might be subtle differences between a clearishon that's on the fire and a clearishon that's off the fire. But again, as long as it's in the original pot that it boiled in and it is still hot, it's considered a clearishon. If you would pour from that into another cup or another bowl or something like that, then that second one is a klishani, etc. That's, now, what exactly, Rav Yeshua, is a little bit of a complication, but let's go on. Boy, they asked Mereimar, Hani Mane Dukunya, these glazed vessels, can you use them on Pesach? Now we've just gone through a discussion that Cheres earthenware cannot be used on Pesach because you cannot get the Isur out. But what happens if it's glazed? Rashi here says it was a lead glaze. I saw the Rosh brings from Tosos that we're actually discussing a glass glaze. So this would be quite practical because with regarding a lot of um don't think the right, the exact right word is China. That might be slightly differently. But anything that's glazed pottery, there would be this question according to Rabbeinu Tam. Again, according to Rashi, the discussion is that they used to glaze their cheres with lead. It says Yeruka, if it's the greener lead, loiti then it's definitely also. Again, the lead was made of different. Rashi uses, I remember, um, uses the word alum, different alums, different, uh, the lead was made with different mixtures and it came out in different colors. So if the lead was the green colored lead, then it was very absorbent and you can't consider it metal, you consider it earthenware because the the food is definitely going to go through the metal, through the, the glazing into the actual dish. My question is regarding the black or the white lead base, uh, lead glazed earthenware because there it's not as absorbent so maybe you can treat it like a metal clee or do you have to treat it like an earthenware clee obviously I'm not asking where there's cracks in the lead it would definitely be also my, my question is obviously where it's smooth so he says well I've seen them sweat I've seen that if liquids were left in the lead glazed cup or jar or bowl it would sometimes you'd see the liquid on the outside and we see clearly it absorbs through the lead and therefore it's also on the bolivar siri we see clearly that it's also my timer oh was earthenware also if it absorbs 
The Torah testifies regarding Klicheres earthenware that uh, what's absorbed in the walls never ever leaves. It's so absorbent you're never able to get the flavor, the food, etc. that's absorbed in the walls and that's why you can't kasha cheres. Um, so one important point is, however, if you put it in the kiln, it's considered making it anew. It's not considered kashering it, it's considered making it anew and that's why that works. But you can't kasha cheres. And that's the Torah tells us that you, it's where it discusses the kashrut of these things, klimijan, um, and uh, I think by uh, what was the other source I forgot, but where it discusses these things, um, Rashi brings up sukkim. Then it, we learn that you can't kasha earthenware. Says any difference to where? Mareimar said that if you had non-kosher wine stored in these glazed barrels, you can use them for kosher. Says Maybe you'll say that is Says called the tikkun Whenever the rabbis make exera, they fashion it after the doraisa law. The doraisa law is so. If the law doraisa is that it's asur. Because it absorbs, Cheres is also because it absorbs, they would say, if they make a Drabonan law regarding the Drabonan, we'd also say the Cheres absorbs. So the Cheres would absorb the nose. This one is through um, hot and this one's used for cold. When it's hot, it absorbs. When it's cold, it doesn't. Another very, very important thing regarding kashrut. Okay, we're quite careful, even things we use for cold, but strictly speaking, something that you only ever use for cold, you don't need to kasher it. You can just rinse it and then use it for a different one. That's why um, the people who are lenient when they go away, they're happy to use the bowls for cereal, the bowls of where they're staying for cereal, because... It's only a, a, you using it for cold. It's not going to absorb. And the other way around, something that's only ever used for cold, you could just rinse it. Um, let's quickly finish up to the mission. And if we get a chance, I'll discuss glass. Glass is an interesting discussion in its own right. It says, Omar Rovam, Omar Rovam, Bar Abba, Omar Rebichia, Bar Ashi, Omar Shmuel. Rav Bar Abba said, Name of Rechia Barashi, Name of Shmuel, Kola Kenim Shilisham Shubahem Chomets, but Sainim Shilam Shubahem Matza Chutzmin Beisor. Any kli that you only used for cold Chomets, you can use it for Matza. Except for base or the 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 bowl that they kept the sa'or in. Um, what what again, so you can take your cake plates. Your cake plates has only ever been used for that you serve the tea on and cake. You can take those plates that have only ever been used for colds, even though you served actual cake, which is very common on them, and use them as your side plates on Pesach. As long as it's not the one that had the sa'or, the sourdough that they would use as a leavening agent. He says, why? It has a very, the fermentation process is very strong and it makes this clear absorb, even though it's only ever cold. So too with the base charuset, that's... Uh, Similar or dami. This base haruset is very is similar to uh, is similar that it is osur. Um, the base haruset Rashi um, Rashi seems to explain is they would just make dips in it, but they would often use vinegar and sharp ingredients, so it would also absorb. So therefore, it has the same status as the base or this this bowl for the or and. Omarova, honey, agni, the mechuzah, however, 
תדירי למילש בהו חמירם ומשהו בהו חמירה כבי סעור שיחמוץ וקשת עמי. רוב עושה צמלי, the needing bowls in מחוזה, since they often put סעור in them and they need the dough with סעור, it's like this base חמיצו, it's like this base סעור, it's like this bowl that was used for סעור and therefore even though it's cold it absorbs the חומץ. Says Pshita, isn't that obvious? Mal de Tamer, given the Revicha Sholet Buaviranam, you might have thought since it's wide because a woman would need in it, it a lot of air gets there and the law bolus, so it won't absorb. Kamash Manan, we say that it does absorb. This discussion, and we'll leave it there for today. So, glass, strictly, there are three opinions of glass. One opinion is that glass is smooth and doesn't absorb at all. Therefore, you can switch your glass or your glass uh, bowl from meat to milk to chomet to Pesach, whatever you want. You can bake bread in it, uh, boil your, your uh, any chomets in it, and then use it on Pesach because it doesn't absorb. Now, other opinions say, no, glass we treat like earthenware. It seems to be exaggerated or that glass is like earthenware because it's made from sand. So there's a similarity. So it's like earthenware. And then there's, and therefore, Glass cannot even be cushioned like earthenware. That's the one extreme. And then there's a middle opinion that no, glass, I guess, is similar to metal. It's it's not like earthenware, but it's not smooth. We generally go strict with glass. The, the spardim actually paskin that glass is considered smooth and doesn't absorb. That's the primary aloha. And that's why, so a spardi could take their, what's it called? Uh, what's that glass you put in the oven? Pyrex, I think it's called. Or Duralex, they have a few different types. But glass that you put in the oven, they can roast their meat in it one night, clean it out, and cook their tuna lasagna, their mulchic uh, mac and cheese in it the next night because glass is smooth, it doesn't absorb. And then they can use it for their chomets on Ere Pesach, clean it out, and use it for Pesach. That's how Spardim Paskin regarding glass. It's smooth and it doesn't absorb. Um, Ashkenazim are strict, especially especially by Pesach. We treat glass as cheres. It does absorb and you can't get the isur out. Basically forever. There might be certain technical ways to get it out, but basically you can never get it out. The rest, I have le- heard that the rest of the year you can go lenient and rely on the middle opinion and cash your glass. But I am not, uh, I'm not 100% certain about that. That I have to check up. So let's say you, accident- you had a glass Pyrex dish that you baked a meat roast in. You baked cottage pie in, so it's meat. And then you accidentally the next night baked uh, mac and cheese in it. So, I mean, as I said, for chomets and Pesach, if it was uh, chomets, you could not use it on Pesach and you cannot kasher it. That's how we paskin. But for just meat and milk, there might be leniencies, there might be grounds to say kasher it. So again, a roast is different, but if you boiled stuff in it, you could just put it in boiling water and cash it like that. Okay, we'll leave it there for today.